it's time for Sales with Sully. Your host, Scott Sullivan, brings his 30 years of sales and marketing experience to you, the sales professional, addressing your questions from Twitter to help you be better at reaching your goals. This is a weekly show that happens right here on InspiredNewsRadio.com. And now your host, Scott Sullivan. Welcome to Sales with Sully. I'm your host, Scott Sullivan. Thanks for joining us today. We come to you every single week. Some of the things that we talk about on Sales with Sully are little tips and tricks and practical guide for helping the sales professional out there every single week get a little bit better at what they do. So if you have something that you'd like us uh, to talk about, a particular topic, or uh, maybe there's a question or something that you have, then you can always go to my Twitter page, at Sales with Sully, and make sure that you tweet me whatever questions or problems or scenarios that you might have, or if you've got some um, things that have been working positive for you, don't forget to tweet me at Sales with Sully. So today we're gonna to be talking about learning. There's multiple types of learning and, and di- people learn in different speeds and they learn different ways, but we're gonna have a few things that we're gonna talk about today. First, let's talk about the actual types of learning. Uh, one of the things that I cover in my book, People Buy From People They Know, Like, and Trust, is I talk about the stages of learning. One of the stages, or the very first stage, is that you have to identify that you are consistently incompetent. So basically, you don't know what you don't know. I say that all the time to people. You're consistently incompetent. What does that mean? You're just learning a new skill or trade, or you're implementing something new into your life, and what happens is you're probably not doing it very well. Remember the first time you rode a bike, you probably skinned your knee? It goes that way with just about everything that we learn. As we're getting better at it, we move into the next stage where we are consciously incompetent. Now, what does that mean? Now I know I'm not good at it, (laughs) right? So you start off with, you don't know how bad you are because you're unconsciously incompetent. You're not doing a very good job and you really don't even know why. Then you move into a little bit of skill set where people are starting to tell you and give you coaching and correcting. So if you were playing a sport or maybe uh, you have a mentor and they were saying, you know, you should probably stop doing that. Then you start moving into that phase that we call the consciously incompetent because now I know what I'm doing wrong. Before, you could say, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, and now you have that information. So so now what you have to do is you have to start concentrating on what it is that you're doing wrong and start making those small corrections. And when that happens, you move into the third stage of learning, which we call consciously competent. Now, what does consciously competent mean? That means if I think about it really hard and I pay really close attention and I do the things that I know that my training has taught me, then all of a sudden I'm consciously competent. I can do the job and I can do it, you know, fairly adequately. I guess, you know, that ranges, we're going to talk about that a little bit later in what competency actually is. But now at least I know I can complete the task and complete the job that I need to do, but I have to think about it. Then you get to the final and ultimate stage, and we call it the level of unconsciously competent. That means you don't even have to think about it. You just react. The military calls it muscle memory. There are a lot of uh, different terms out there that cover that, but you basically know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it without having to spend a whole lot of mental capacity to remember how to do it. So 
you, you know, and I'm going to, this is probably not a good example, so we want to be careful. Uh, don't ever text and drive out there, folks. But if, have you ever got home and wondered, wow, uh, how did I get here? Because your mind was a million miles away. You might have been thinking about other things, or you may have had something very heavy on your mind. Your body is driving, and that part of your limpic brain is out there just you know, maneuvering the car and pressing the accelerator and braking when necessary and all the things. And you just turn left on your street and you pull into your driveway. And then all of a sudden you realize you're home and you're wondering, how did I get here? Well, uh, that's unconscious competence because your body and your muscle memory, has, your brain knows how to get home because you've done it every single day. A Maybe a better example is, have you ever pulled out onto the freeway going the wrong direction because that's the way to work and you weren't going to work you were going to the store or somewhere else so that those things happen but that is muscle memory a lot of our uh, military that's they talk about that all the time where i i want to be able to do the things that are necessary under all kinds of different conditions so even if i'm under duress i will know what to do so the four levels of learning again to talk about them the stages of learning are first you're consciously incompetent you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know how bad you are when you're doing it. Then you become consciously incompetent. So I could do better because I know I'm not doing it very well. So I'm going to start learning and training my brain. Then you become consciously competent. So I can do it. I can finish it. I can do the task. I can do it. But I have to think about it. And I have to pay attention. And I don't want to lose focus. And then finally, you become to that final stage where you're unconsciously competent. And it happens just naturally because you've trained your brain to know that it's exactly the way it should happen. Now, why do we want to talk about this? Because this is the first phase in this episode that we're talking about today, and that is learning. So the reason why is because we each have to go through a different learning stage just about every day. I mean, we are creatures that have to learn new things. You come into work on Monday morning and your boss throws a new wrinkle at you and says, oh, you got a new quota, you've got new accounts, you've got... So if you're a professional salesperson, your life could be changing on a very regular basis. So we're constantly going through this cycle of not knowing what we don't know and then again going back all the way to the point where it becomes muscle memory. So we talk about on this show a lot that... Uh, when you have to go out and learn something new, it can be a stressful situation in, uh, in your work life. And it can also bleed over into your home life. So the reason why we talk about it is, is if you're aware, that helps you to become conscious, right? So you're now conscious of the fact that this is going to be adding some stress to your life. So one of the things that I suggest when, when life throws these little wrinkles at us every once in a while one of the practical tips and tricks that I, that I tell my uh, folks when um, not only my team, when I'm building a team, but uh, my clients when I'm coaching them is I say, make sure that you understand what level you are in of that learning cycle. So, you know, we all have heard the phrase, we don't know what we don't know. So make sure that you're asking all the right questions. Get through that as fast as possible. Realize that there is something changed and that you need as much information and as much data as possible. So I say get through that first phase as fast as possible and ask as many questions as you can because you wanna to get to at least the consciously competent level as soon as possible so that you can actually get the task done but you're gonna to have to stay really focused to do it. 
And those are things that, uh, you know, you might have a teenager at home right now that listens to, uh, they put their headphones on when they're doing their homework. You know, sometimes uh, I always wondered, you know, why is that? You know, some, some kids can do that and some kids can't. I was always one of those people that the, as long as it was a, not a song that I didn't know, if it was like classical music or it was instrumental or something like that, then I could do that. I could have my headphones on and I could uh, study. But as soon as a song came on that I recognized, my brain immediately went to humming along, singing along. All of a sudden, I found myself distracted. So there are different methodologies and ways that you can do that. Some people like to have a nice quiet environment where they can get through that uh, phase up to consciously uh, incompetent uh, or consciously uh, competent. And then some people like to have uh, more of a background din, a noise. You know, I've heard people say that, you know, they've gone out, gone out and visited their friends in the country and they say, how do you sleep out here? It's so quiet. <laughs> so there are things that uh, other human beings have uh, learned over the years. Now, let's talk about the different types of learning. So you may have heard this before. Are you a, you know, show me how to do it? Or are you a let me do it? Or are you a audible, you're learning through listening, or visual, or tactile? So what does that mean? Uh, tell me how to do it, and I'll probably be okay. Just you know, explain it to me, because I'm an auditory learner. If I listen to a podcast, for example, or I listen to a, uh, a video maybe playing in the background and I hear the audio portion of it, I can learn how to do the task. Some people are visual learners where they have to actually see it being done. Show me how it's done. So I have to look at a picture. I have to see a video possibly. And once I've done that, I can master it because I've actually, I can internalize it because I can see it. And that's how I learn. And then there's the tactile or the people that have to do it by touch. So Tell me how to do it, but at the same time, let me do it. So explain it to me while I'm doing it, and then I'll remember it forever. So there are several different ways. So you have to know that about yourself. So if you haven't figured it out, I would suggest you pay attention for the next few days and try and determine which one of those types of learners you are. Are you auditory, visual, or tactile? So uh, that way you will also know what's the best way to get that information to you. And it's also important to know if you are a manager, uh, if you're running a sales organization, or if you're a manager at, at just at, for any other purpose, if you manage people, it's always good to know your team and what type of learners they are. Because if you've got a bunch of uh, visual learners and you stand up and just give an oration and just tell, talk to them for an hour about how to do something, there's a chance, there's chances that they probably didn't receive all of that. Uh, so there's, there are some people that, uh, that that will be great for, and then there are some that will probably miss about three quarters of that. So let's pay attention on the, over the next week or two and see exactly uh, how close we are and which type of those learners we are too. And then there's always combinations of those too. Some people say, well, I learn really well when I read the book myself, but then I really reinforce it after I actually do it. So you can have a combination of all of those also. And then some people are very gifted and blessed because they're able to, to do any of the ways that we just talked about and they are able to retain that information. 
So now we know the stages of learning and we know what kind of learner we are because the reason why both of these are important for a sales professional is because what we're going to do now is we're going to gear our new learning curves and the things that we want to do to make us better sales professionals to that type of learning and which level or stage we're at. Now, all of this is leading up to be able to say this. When it comes down to a new product line, maybe there's a new uh, process or a new sales uh, goal that needs to be handled, all of a sudden, there are going to be some learning curves that we're each going to have to overcome. So if I know that I am a visual learner and that I am starting off right now and I am consciously incompetent, then I know exactly the tack that I need to take to get through that process as fast as possible. I need to ask for the resources to be able to see the manual, let me read it, or I need a video to show me because that's going to get me through that process a little bit faster. And that way I can ask for the proper resources to get me to success a little bit faster. So I hope that's been uh, informative. I hope you understand where we're coming from on that. Uh, don't forget that if you have any comments or questions about any of our episodes, you can always reach me on Twitter at Sales with Sully. And you can ask me additional questions or uh, leave a comment or let me know how things are going in, in your world when it comes to developing that muscle memory. We're going to take a break for just a few seconds right now. We're going to let uh, our sponsors have a few words, and we'll be right back with some sales with Sully. Welcome back to Sales with Sully. I'm your host, Scott Sullivan. So today we've been talking about learning, and in the first part of our episode today, we talked about the stages of learning, and then we talked about what type of learner that we could be or what maybe you are and how to find that out. So after we've now figured out that we are, what type of learner we are, we are and then what stage we're in, now we want to be able to implement that to where it actually makes sense. So now we have the information that we need and we're pulling it all together. Now let's figure out the next, the next phase or the next path of this, and that is, what is the environment that I need to be in in order to best learn and retain this information? We talked about it earlier in the episode just briefly, and that is some people like to have the din of a little bit of noise in the background. It helps their brain to focus, and uh, some people can sit at Starbucks all day long and, and get their uh, work done and not be distracted. And then other folks can't even have, you know, they can't even be in the room with a... Uh, a ceiling fan spinning because just the shadow or the sound or the noise or something causes them to be distracted. So you need to also need to realize in your life what that is, what type of uh, person you are and what type of environment you need. So if you're one of those that needs uh, it to be quiet and you're a visual learner, you might want to think about a uh, white noise type of generator that does either on headphones or that you can sit next to you so it could actually be uh, offsetting to that um, to the din in the background if you can't get yourself to a place that is quiet then you can use technology to offset that noise if you're the type of person that uh, 
you know, needs to have a little background noise, then, then probably just about anywhere works except a nice quiet library. And then the other side of that coin is you could also use headphones to, you know, pipe in uh, the best type of music that helps you uh, to learn. So that's the other thing. The last thing is that we talk about when we were talking about learning is now what is the uh, time frame? What's the time limit? Uh, and what are you going to do with the time that you have? Now, why do I ask that? Because here we are. So a lot of us um, going through school, we wait till the last minute. We cram all that information into our brain because we know we have a test at 8 o'clock the next morning. So we do everything that we can, and we even have a word for it called cramming. So we're doing everything that we can to access our short-term memory and keep all of that information right at our fingertips because at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, we're going to have to put it out there on a piece of paper or some type of device and take our test. Now, that's not always conducive uh, for a long-term process. If you cram it all in right at the last minute, like if you were studying for a test, then there's a very good chance that you didn't access that deep memory within your uh, brain and you now have all of this information just kind of floating around right on the surface and it doesn't tend to stick very long. So what you might want to do is you might want to think about what is the purpose for uh, this information and what am I going to do with it? Is it something that I'm going to need in the future? Is it a technical specification for a product or a service that you have to have and you're going to be able to, uh, you're going to need it, you know, for quite often and you're going to need it for a long time? Then you need to find other little tools, hints and tips and tricks. So, for instance, there are mnemonic devices. You know, every good boy does fine are the notes on a piano, uh, on a treble clef, and, you know, those types of things where you can come up with a mnemonic device that helps you to remember. There's the medical profession is filled with them because there's a lot of, you know, uh, nervous systems and, you know, uh, pulmonary systems and all the other different, you know, processes that they have to remember. So they come up with a lot of mnemonic devices to help them using the first letter of each, uh, then forming it into some type of word or memory tool. The other thing, too, that helps with memory is uh, something called a hook method. Now, I don't know if this is, you can do some research on this, but I use this to remember people's uh, names. And what I do is I take a, uh, because I'm a visual learner, I take a mental picture of that person's face and then I exaggerate some uh, characteristic and then I try and link it back to their name, either their first name or last name or both. So if, you know, your name was Jack Ball, then I think of, uh, you know, your face. I have a, a picture in my mind of your face. And then I think of the game of jacks where you have the little jack and then you have the rubber ball and maybe they're sticking on top of his head. And all of a sudden now when I see that, I see that visual picture in my brain and I know his name is Jack Ball. Uh, just a little tip that I've used for many, many years. If you're not a visual learner, there's other ways. Uh, one of the things that I, I didn't know this, but I was told by a colleague, if you're an auditory uh, learner, then they can, you can put information into the favorite, <laughs> into the lyrics of your favorite song. So instead of singing, you know, like happy birthday, 
you could fill those in with you know statistics or data or things that you need and you sing them to the tune of happy birthday and then all of a sudden your brain remembers them because that's the type of learner that you are so there are all kinds of things that you can be doing uh, to help on your learning curve so the last thing that I wanted to tell you regarding uh, the devices, the mnemonic devices, or the helpful hints and tips and tricks, is you can also do a shorthand kind of note. We have in the electric industry, for example, there are a lot of TLAs. <laughs> TLAs are three-letter acronyms. So we have a TLA for all of our TLAs. So there are a lot of acronyms that people use, and those acronyms are also a, a type of a mnemonic device, but it, you know, it helps like WYSIWYG, you know, you know, you get what you, you know, what you see is what you get, <laughs> those types of things. So uh, those acronyms can also be used. They don't have to be three letter, they can be multiple letter, and they can also form um, nonsensical or uh, crazy kind of words sometimes that will also help you to remember it because now you don't have to remember uh, you know all of the the words you just have to memorize the first letter which then triggers the memory for the rest of it so when you're doing um, when you have a lot especially a lot of data and a lot of things that you have to memorize or maybe not memorize but you have to just have it readily available another thing that you can do is put together a series, you have to do this from a visualization of some place that you know very, very well. So let's use, for instance, the house that you grew up in as a child, somewhere where that you spent many, many, many days, uh, many years. You could actually visualize that house in your mind. So you walk in the front door, are you in a, you know, a foyer, are you in a uh, maybe a hallway with the stairs that go up or down. Maybe you walked right into the living room, whatever. You know, you have that visualization in your mind. And then you can start putting things around your house in your story. And that's why this is called the story method for learning. Uh, and it's also part of memorization. So if I walk into my front house and in my front door and I'm in my living room, maybe sitting on the mantle is you know a and you can exaggerate this as much as you want but maybe there is a uh a, a pig sitting on the mantle uh you know eating a ham sandwich now that's weird right well that's a ham eight so ham eight okay so that's a ham eight what is a ham eight well a ham eight happens to be one of the bones in your wrist so the medical profession puts together this story method where they say, well, there's a hamate. Well, what's the next bone? Well, the next bone is a lunate. Okay, well, I wouldn't know that, but I know that there's a big giant moon hanging from the ceiling fan and it's eating cheese. So it's comparing the moon being cheese eating itself. So it's a lunate. So uh, lunar, moon, that type of thing. So as you can see, the story method, then you can place anything in, that, in those rooms. And then each room uh, can have multiple items in it, too. So if you have a lot of things that you need to memorize or you need to have readily available, then those are you know, processes and things that you can do to help um, memory, uh, to, 
to trigger your memory on that. So those are processes that you can, um, things that you can do to help on your learning skills. So let's recap just for a second. We now know the stages of learning and we know what type of learner we are. And now we have a few tips or tricks to help us uh, remember some of the mnemonic devices that we talked about, some of the, the hook method or the story method where we can remember people's names. I suggest that you, if you are, uh, if you'd like to, if you'd like to get better at that, there are all kinds of books out there. Uh, as we always say, a lot of times on Sales with Sully is uh, leaders are readers. So make sure that you're reading a, a book all the time. So one of the things that you can do is improve your memory uh, by reading some of these books that help you with the, in the self-help section that actually help to improve your memory. So then the last thing I wanted to talk about, I keep saying the last thing, I don't know why, but it's, it's never the last thing. Uh, but the next thing, I guess, that I want to talk about is, so now you have some of these you know, tips and, and tricks and everything else, but then you say, well, Sully, the problem is with me is I just, I need to know, I have to remember the, the processes. I have to remember what to do and when to do it and how to do it. Well, that's a, another great uh, learning skill, and it's part of our learning because not only can you memorize a you know, list of things that need to be done, or you can have them available for yourself uh, to pull through, but you also have to, to start, um, like, for example, an actor, how he learns his lines. He has to have that at, readily at his you know, fingertips. And then if something changes, maybe uh, if we're sales professionals, maybe we learn how to overcome an objection and we don't want to keep using the same one every time, every time, every time. So we want to have multiple choices into, in our repertoire of things that we can use for overcoming that particular objection. So what I tell people all the time is find one that you're comfortable with and learn it and then go through this process of being, you know, starting off with consciously incompetent and go through the stages by adding a second one. It's no different than if you were... Uh, you know, find yourself in a new school and you're trying to figure out how to get from English class to biology class and then and when the bell rings and then on top of that you also have to know uh, who the teacher is and some of the people around you. You have to know which book to take. All of a sudden you have these like 45 things that you have to remember in order to get there. You can lump those all into processes so that you can then help train your brain by color coding. Uh, a lot of folks that I know color code things where they say, well, everything that happens on Monday is going to be color coded green. So these are the things that I do on Monday. And then these are the things I do on Tuesday and they're color coded in orange. Those types of things. Along with that, you could also do the same when it comes to these processes and things that you, that you normally do. When you are trying to learn uh, maybe a group of uh, something that you would say to overcome an objection, maybe on your visual learning device, which may be a flashcard or some type of cheat sheet, maybe they're all color-coded green in one particular category, and they're all color-coded orange in another. So if it's price, then I'm going to remember my green cards, and if it's timing, I'm going to remember my orange cards. These are all just things that you know, you have to pick whichever one that, that works best for you. 
I tell people all the time that you just have to sort through the wheat from the chaff, right? Some of these things you can take and internalize and you can make, it'll make life easier for you. And sometimes you just go, man, that's crazy. I'm not doing that. That doesn't work for me. And that's okay. That's okay. The, the things that have worked for me over the years and the things that we talk about on our Twitter account and some of the things we talk at some of our coaching sessions, they don't always work, you know, for each person because we're all individuals. So let's recap just for a second here as we're talking about learning. So we've got all of the stages like we talked about before. We know that whether we're a visual or tactile or audio learner, so we know what's the best way for us to get information. And now that we know that, we can help uh, tailor that input into uh, our world a little bit better. And then we have uh, several tips or tricks that we have that we've worked together on uh, to help us keep information right at the tip of our fingers, so right at the tip of our mind. So we know we have some mnemonic devices that helps us if we have to follow a certain procedure or path. We also know that there's a story method if we want to memorize a long string of maybe technical data or things that we want to do by using a, a very familiar place that our mind can go to and then we can use the muscle memory for the place that we talked about and then you can set things around in your visual learning. And one thing I wanted to tell you about that visual learning that I, I forgot to talk about earlier, and that is I want you to think about the color of your childhood home. When we were talking about that earlier, when we were talking about the story method. So what I want you to do right now, if you would indulge me, I want you to just think of your childhood home and think of what color it was. Now, I'm gonna venture right now that because I asked you what color your childhood home was, you are picturing a house, a yard, a driveway, an apartment building, wherever it is. So I'm guessing that you didn't think of a color. You actually visualized the entire house and the yard and everything about it and just happened to see the house in whatever color that it was. Am I correct? Yes, that's like a magic trick for you. That proves to me that we think and memorize and remember things in pictures. So whether you're an auditory learner, learner, which means you're going to hear it, or if you're tactile and you're touching it, or if you're visual and you're seeing it, they all get converted to pictures. Whether that sound is a picture in your, in your brain or that touch is a picture in your brain, it still all comes down to your brain still remembers it and files it away in the form of a picture. So if I put uh, four ball bearings and a dice cube, a die, in a bag and I had you reach in and say, pull out the die, I would be venturing to say that probably everybody here would be able to do that. Because as soon as you reach in, your brain is going, oh, there's the square. That's a square cube. But you're probably picturing it right now. When I said the word die, you're probably picturing an actual die. Now, depending on where you grew up and what board games you played and everything else, that die is either white or red or possibly some other color, but probably one of those two because they were the most common uh, as you know the dot colors of dyes. Uh, let me guess, am I right? <laughs> okay, so 
So that's what's going on when I mention uh, something. I do a, a, I do a little trick when I do my seminars. I hold up a sign that actually spells out the word red, R-E-D, but it is painted brown. So the, the, the word is spelled red and the word itself, the color of the font is brown. And then when you hold it up and you say, what color is this? Almost everybody shouts out red <laughs> because the brain saw the letters visually before they realized that it was an actual different color than what they actually saw. So it is, uh, it is amazing how we can train our brain, and that's why we wanted to talk a little bit about learning today on Sales with Sully and some of the things that, uh, that we could do to help uh, facilitate that learning. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please uh, tune in every week for Sales with Sully. I'm your host, Scott Sullivan. And the nice thing about it is you can reach me all the time on all forms of social media. You can like me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, uh, find me on LinkedIn without a problem. And my Twitter is at Sales with Sully. Uh, if you've enjoyed this, please tell everybody that you know, and please tune in again. If uh, you want to make a comment, question, or if you have something else you want to share, you can always reach me at Sales with Sully on Twitter. And if I'll follow you back, we can always uh, do a um, private message on that on Twitter also. So I appreciate you tuning in. And until next time, as I always say, Sales with Sully here. You've been listening to Sales with Sully on InspiredNewsRadio.com. We take your sales and marketing questions each week on Twitter at Sales with Sully. Hashtag INR and like us on Facebook. On behalf of your host, Scott Sullivan, and the entire Sales with Sully team, thanks for listening, and see you next week.